I apologize for being so loud, but oftentimes when I get up here, the Spirit moves me and I have an a unquenchable desire to yell. So if I offend anybody, I'll apologize right now. One thing I noticed yesterday, a couple of things I noticed yesterday and again today, the, the singing is just beautiful. Amen? Amen. Amen. Chapel Glen, where we're from, when we moved to the building in 1980, we had 120 members on the roll. In the old building that we came from, we had it packed every Sunday. And almost Wednesday, it was just we had no more room, so we had to move out to a larger building. The building we're in now on Sunday mornings, we're lucky if we have 40 people. It's nice to see, yesterday especially, when we had to bring chairs up here for people to sit in. That brings up another subject. You young people shouldn't be having families yet because the more families you young people have, the older I get. <laughs> Bless your hearts for bringing your children to the Lord's house. Excellent. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank the congregation here for the privilege to speak. Um, I've been in this position several times before. and Evidently, I haven't said anything that's so out of the norm that they don't ask me back again. But I did have a little bit of a scheduling conflict after I told Charles yes that I would speak. Uh, Matt sent me an email and said, we'd like for you to speak Sunday afternoon. I said, well, that's going to be a little bit difficult for me because we usually leave after lunch so I can get back and go to work on, on Monday morning. So I don't know who switched spots with me for Sunday afternoon, but thank you very much, whoever that was. I'm sorry that Randy Techmeyer is not here because I was going to call him out on something that he said that was wrong yesterday, but I'll go ahead and say it anyway. Unless he has personally had somebody from this congregation tell him that they had exhausted all other sources to have him come, it was an assumption on his part. Thank you, Greg, and thank you, Charles, for not having Doug call people up and say, we asked everybody else, Steve, you're the last hope. We need you to come and speak. <laughs> personally happened, honestly. <laughs> it would be nice if I'm ever invited back again. I would like to have the first slot on Saturday. That way you can all rest assured that the lessons given from this pulpit on the weekend can only get better from that point. I also noticed the reference to talents yesterday, the talents that are being given to people, and I correlated that in my mind with the three speakers yesterday with the number of questions they were asked to answer. Didn't we have as many as eight? Eight yesterday? I have three. <laughs> and I'm struggling to do two. So, and I am an interactive speaker. I don't learn very well from lectures. I do learn from your knowledge. So at any point in the comments that I'm making this morning, if you have something to add or something I should take away, don't hesitate. It's not going to bother me at all. There's one last thing that I would like to uh, share with you. In the aspect of clothing, silk is pretty nice, isn't it? Silk is nice and soft. Well, that's what we had in those three speakers yesterday. This morning, myself, excluding the one that's going to follow me later, 
We're going from silk yesterday to burlap this morning. So be ready because I'm not as polished as those men are. Burlap's what? Burlap's useful. Three-legged race. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. In Romans 8, chapter, verse 18, Paul here says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The subject the elders have asked me to talk about this morning is titled, Hurts So Good. Hurts So Good. Have you ever had a spot on your back of your shoulder blade that just, you, you push it a little bit and it feels good when you push it, but you can't quite push it hard enough? So you ask somebody else, you no, know, down a little bit, and they, they put the thumb, they just dig right in there, and you're standing there, and it feels like you start shaking your leg like a dog rubbing his belly. And am I hurting you? Yeah, but it hurts so good. Just keep pushing. Just keep pushing. Up till two years ago, I had suffered with back issues, and I had my right hip was just jacked up all the time. Finally, I went to a doctor, and he's able to tell me that I had a herniated disc. But up until that time, I tried to exhaust all different kinds of medical treatments because I did not want to go under the knife. And I used to go to a chiropractor. He's a good man. He, he helped me out quite a bit. He was, by the time I got off his table each session, I felt better. My son Andy would go with me because he needed adjustments also. He's sitting there watching him, and that doctor would get a hold of my hip, and he'd put his elbow right here, right into the side of my hip, and he'd be pushing so bad, and I'd be laying on the table, ow, 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 ow. And Andy's eyes were this big. He'd go, Dad, was he really hurting? I said, yeah, but it was so good. Because afterwards, the pain was gone. He'd be pushing on me, and he'd be making jokes. He says, is there anything you'd like to confess that you've done in your life? I said, nothing comes to mind right now. I'm hurting too bad. Stop. And then I give him his money. I said, it's hard to believe I'm paying you to hurt me like this. But it hurts so good. I had to have it. While it is part of our nature to seek pleasure and avoid pain, our culture plays a role in how we deal with suffering. Here in the West, we usually try to avoid suffering. We see it as an interruption of our pursuit of our happiness. So we fight it, repress it, medicate it, or search for quick fix solutions to get rid of it. You have a headache? Give me a couple of Tylenol. You have a backache? Give me a couple of Tylenol. I have this, I have that. Give me something to get rid of it. Nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing at all. Get rid of the pain. That's here in the West. Now in the East... They see the pain as something that they should endure in their lives. And they strive when they're in pain to make it go and teach themselves a lesson. I'm glad I don't live in the East. I would not tolerate that at all. This is a blessing to live where we are. Some would believe that there are three benefits of suffering. Wisdom, resilience, and compassion. Wisdom, they say, emerges from the experience of suffering. When things are going well, we seldom stop and ask questions about our lives. A difficult time, however, often forces us out of our cruise control mindset and causes us to take note of what's going on. Resilience. A wise man once said, whatever doesn't kill us will what? Make us stronger. I don't know about that. Suffering can make us more resilient makes us handle hardship better, just like a muscle in order to build up 
It must endure some pain. So our emotions must endure pain in order to strengthen. Helen Keller said, Character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, vision cleared, ambition inspired, and success achieved. Everybody suffers sometime, and allowing ourselves to feel another suffering links us all together through compassion. Compassion is a deep awareness of the suffering of another coupled with the wish to relieve it. Just a side note there, gentlemen, how many of us, when our wives come home from work and they've had a rough day and throw all the problems out of us, we offer up solutions to those problems? For 37 years I've done that and I've still fight with the fact that all she wants me to do is listen. She doesn't want me to solve her problems, she just needs me to listen. Whereas men, because that's how I usually relate to, to my wife when she has issues, I said, well, me and my work partner, all we do, we butt heads, we get it out there in the open, and five minutes later, we're back to working. I don't understand why you ladies can't do that. It's because we're different. So different, and we're glad we're different. We wish to relieve it. Sometimes we just don't need to. But the only way that we can gain a deep awareness of the suffering of, of others is to having suffered ourselves. Having never suffered and trying to help someone who is suffering is about as difficult as describing callers to someone that has never seen. Have you thought about that? How would you describe to a blind man the color blue or the color red? Anything like that. It's hard. So when I am not a suffering person, I have not suffered in my life, it's hard for me to understand what someone is going through. Suffering and joy teach us, if we let them, how to make the leap of empathy, empathy, which transports us into the heart and soul of another person. In these transparent moments, we know other people's joys and sorrows, and we care about their concerns as if they were our own. We need... We need to share our sufferings with our brothers and sisters in Christ so that we can complete them. The word perfect here that Paul uses is, is complete. We're, none of us are going to be complete, uh, perfect. Jesus is the only one that was ever perfect. Our example. But we can complete one another. And by sharing the sufferings that I'm going through, you can help me with my sufferings. The fact that suffering brings benefits does not imply that we should actually seek after it. Just as the fact that sickness actually strengthens our immune system, it does not imply that we should look to catch a cold. We naturally seek pleasure in our lives and try to minimize the amount of pain we endure. This imperfect world provides us ample opportunities without us actively looking for them to fortify our immune system. Don't seek out suffering to make yourself more complete. That's silly. That's just plat silly. Truth of suffering is a tool we can either reject or accept as an inevitable part of being human. And when we learn to accept, even embrace, difficult experiences, our suffering becomes a tool, an instrument for growth. This is where my lesson ends. Because this is what the experts on the internet said to me and this is what I gleaned from them. I don't like that, all of it. You know why? Because a lot of the stuff that I've regurgitated back to you this morning, I have a hard time understanding myself. So from this point on, this is going to be Steve talking to you, nobody else. 
And at this time, you are all invited to join in with me and help me out to understand this. The first question I was asked is, how are we made perfect through suffering? First, perfect needs to be defined as complete. It is not perfect, like I said. None of us are perfect except for Christ. One of the most important aspects of suffering is my ability to somewhat understand what the other person is dealing with. I'm a fat guy. I was born fat. I used to joke that when I die, I'm going to have eight guys carrying my casket. Eight, look at that, ten. Eight guys carrying my casket instead of just six. Because I don't like to diet. I don't like to take care of myself. Is that quite evident or what? Somebody says, well, you ought to eat more fruits and vegetables. I said, Mom never made me when I was a kid, so why should I try now? I'm 60 years old. Well, your taste changes every seven years. Well, I'm holding out until it doesn't change. It did. It did. I like chocolate more than I used to like chocolate, so yeah, it's, it's better. It's better. If I have never gone to bed hungry then I can't understand the empty pangs of a person's stomach when they don't have enough to eat at night. If I've never struggled paying my bills at the end of the month because I'm either under, underemployed or underemployed, I don't know what it's like, the stress that it causes. This person I used to work with said they used to have bill collectors calling them all the time and they told them flat out on the phone, they said, look, we have 15 numbers in a hat, and we pulled out 10 every month. If you don't want your number not even put in the hat to get pulled out, you just keep calling me. That was how stressed they were out. They could not continue paying their bills. I've known that stress, and it's not fun. I can talk to you about that stress if you have it going on in your life. But being hungry, I don't, I don't go to bed hungry. Oftentimes I go to bed too full. One thing that the Lord allowed me to experience this past October, I know now what the suffering is to have a parent to go home to be with the Lord. Up until that time, I can only imagine the suffering that you are going through in your loss. How much you miss that person. How much you just like to sit down and have another conversation with them. One more time. Those questions that you didn't think were important to ask. They become very important when they're not here anymore. I can understand now. And I can hopefully help you in your suffering. If I have never suffered from an addiction to whatever that might be, and in the church we oftentimes make this addiction to things that are bad, and addictions are bad, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but we always single them out, smoking, drinking, drugs, things like that, which are bad, I can identify with that, the devil had me hard a number of years ago, had me going down a path that I was not going to come back without the Lord's help, I had already decided that I was going to end up dead in a ditch one day, God had better plans, the Lord always has a plan. And his plan was for me to be standing here today. I'm glad he had a plan for me. But oftentimes we take those three or four things and we say those are the addictions. Here's some more we might be addicted to. Food. Mm, yeah, I like food. Shopping. 
Here's my addiction nowadays because God took all those other problems away from me. Television. Television. For the longest time, I fought having cable in my house because I knew what it was going to do to me. And it did. It makes me watch mindless things because it's there. I'm addicted to TV. And the worst part about it is I know I'm addicted to it. But what do I do when the first thing I do when I come in? I pet the dog, say hi to Barb, and I grab the remote and I turn it on and walk in the other room. Because I need to have that, I need to have that fix. I might not even be watching it, but I can hear it and it makes me feel better. You laugh, Nathan. It's not funny. It's sick. Because I know my problem. But I keep going back to it. I suffer from that addiction. How about the internet? Oh my goodness sakes alive. Being addicted to the internet is terrible. There's so much out there that Satan would like us to get into. We have sports. We have hobbies. We can even be addicted to people. Whenever we choose to spend time with people that are not of God's family, when we have the opportunity to, that's a great matter. We are, the question was asked yesterday as far as attendance and things like that. The question I have always asked people that say, well, God knows my heart. Yeah, well, you know what? When the Lord comes home, if it be on Sunday morning, I would much rather be in His house than at the stadium watching the football game. Amen? Well, the Lord knows my heart. Yeah, He knows who you chose also. And again, if I've never experienced a drive that something has hold on me, like an addiction, there's no way that I can connect with someone who's suffering from that. This is where knowing each other's in God's family is so important. You older people, I'm not one of you yet, I'm there, but I'm getting there, but I'm not there yet. In your generation, you were taught to keep your feelings in, not let anybody in. And we struggle with that. Because you know the best thing that could happen for me is for somebody who is, say, 70, I'm 60 years old now, 75 or 80 years old, to open up and tell me these are the things that I struggle with yet today. I look at the older people and I say, you got it made. You got it all together. Look at you. But maybe they don't. There's two, there's two aspects to this that I see. One is I can see that you're human and you do have frailties. And the second thing, I can fulfill my duty to you as a Christian and pray for you. If I don't know what you're going through, I can't do that. And that's a shame. Because there is nothing in this world more powerful than the prayer to our Father in Heaven. Amen? And for you to act like you have nothing going on in your life because you don't want to show your human side. Is a shame. The second question they asked me to answer is sometimes they do we learn from what hurts? Yeah. One of the first things we tell our children when they're walking around in the kitchen or what well, we tell them about the stove. Hot! Don't touch it. I was cautioning a young man about his children one time because he wasn't watching them as closely as what I thought he should be. Imagine that. Me talking to somebody else's kids. <laughs> I said, hey, you need to watch your son a little bit closer. And his reaction to me was, he'll only do it once. Okay. Okay. 
He's going after his ball underneath the riding lawnmower that's still moving and running. He'll only do it once. No. No. He would learn, wouldn't he? Wow. That was terrible. I better not do that again. The same way as the stove. Don't touch it. It's hot. They'll remember that. I remember seeing a, the rings off the stove on a young man's hand because he psht, touched it there. Wear your helmet, elbow, and knee protection when you ride your bike. Why? Because when you fall off and hit your head, if you have your helmet on, it's going to make things a lot better. But if you don't wear those things, you're going to get hurt and you're going to remember. So we can learn from our suffering. Wear gloves when you're using a rake or a shovel to prevent blisters. They don't pop up just as soon as you grab that rake or that shovel without gloves. It takes a while for them to get there. And once they pop, oh my goodness, you're in pain. And the gloves don't help at that point. And you remember that. Next time you go to do that job, I'm going to put my gloves on. Put sunscreen on before you go outside so you don't burn. Spicy food too late at night, brother. Tums are such a wonderful thing to have on your headboard so you don't have to get up and find them in the bathroom at night. And one of the biggest things that my brother Randy and I struggle with is free buffet. I don't even think it matters what kind of food it is. Somebody else has paid for it and it says all you can eat. It's a challenge. That's right. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to eat it all. And as they're rolling me out in the wheelbarrow back to my car, I'm going, oh, I hope I never do this again. But then the next time the sign is free buffet, hey, Randy, what are you doing? Let's go. Sometimes we don't learn from our suffering. If we're honest with ourselves, we will learn from our suffering. Otherwise... If we don't learn from our history, what's the history saying? What's it say? We're going to repeat it. And what's the definition of insanity? Continue doing the same thing over and over and expecting what? A different result. That's right. Sometimes my sanity is self-inflicted. I don't know if I thought this up or... Who was the guy that made the internet? Al Gore or... Huh? Yeah, Al Gore. So I'm going to claim this one for myself because I don't know who did it, but I'm going to claim sin. S stands for self. I stands for inflicted. N stands for nonsense. Self-inflicted nonsense. And I'm the only one that can cause myself to sin. I can't cause you to sin any more than you can cause me to sin. It is my choice to sin. And every time I sin, it is self-inflicted nonsense. Separates me away from God. On the emotional side, we have young people that say they are in love. Sometimes they're not as young as... Yeah, we'll not go there. But if he or she loves you, they won't treat you that way. They won't treat you like a worthless piece of possession. They will treat you like God intends them to treat you. And I'm not talking about beating up on anybody like that. Just the emotional games and the head games that someone will play with someone because I love you. No, if you treat me like this, you don't love me. 
We need to realize why God wants us to love one another. Words that are spoken in haste. You've heard the analogy about the toothpaste tube, haven't you? You squeeze out the toothpaste down on the counter. Can you really put it back in there? Somebody says, yeah, yeah, but you can't get those stripes back the way they were in the beginning so that when it comes back out, it's just one big blob. I cannot count the number of times that I have spoken mean, hurtful words to the person I'm supposed to love just right under God in anger. She still sees good in me. And she still loves me. I'm glad that she does. God gave us two ears and one mouth. Swift to hear and what? Slow to speak. Slow to speak. I used Josh Riggins as an example one time. Because when he first started preaching, he was very slow to speak. And I realized it wasn't a fact that he didn't know what to say. He was thinking about what he was going to say next. And I never heard anything come out of his mouth that wasn't right. He had given thought to what was going to come out for other people to hear. But when we don't do that, you're not going to get that toothpaste back in the tube. Do we learn from that? Or will we continue to let the toothpaste out of the tube? And the worst one of all is following our own will instead of God's will. Every time that I follow my own will, Steve's will, I get in trouble. And I suffer the consequences. The consequence that I suffer is the guilt that I feel. It's not an outward thing that you all can see. It's inside of me. I'm very transparent with most of my sins. When I come up against things that have, have affected me, I share with people. But yet there's certain things that I still struggle with. That I'm not going to share with any of you. Even my wife, I'm not going to share with her. Why? Because she doesn't struggle with this sin. So what do you do, Steve? I found a brother that I can confide in who used to struggle with the same sin as I am now. And what have I done? I have asked him for help. I didn't go to Dr. Phil. I didn't go to, to anybody at work that doesn't have the same kind of desire to serve the Lord as I do. I found myself a brother in Christ that I knew had gone through this. And this was what goes back to the suffering again. If you don't let me know what you've been through, how can I come to you and say, I need your help? Take down the fences that I was talking about yesterday. Those are good fences to have to keep evil away from us. But whenever we build fences between ourselves, that's never good. That's never good. Last question they asked me to answer was, can we do a disservice by helping someone? What do you think? Yes and, no. yes and no. I see a head shaking back there. I hear a yes and no. I think a couple more verses and you're going to have my whole sermon go around. <laughs> <laughs> I yield. <laughs> they told me there were a couple close, but I didn't know how close. I apologize. I apologize. Really? Oh, man, I'm sorry. Were you going to talk about Job? I can take that one out. <laughs> Are you the one that traded with me? Yes. <laughs> gotcha. 
he's not going to need the full 40 minutes now, Greg and Charles. And, maybe I can stay for the afternoon if you're going to be soon. Yeah, I, I believe we can. Yes and no. You're right. It's kind of like parents today. You're going to talk about parents today? Okay, good. It's kind of like parents today and their children. They want them to have everything that they never had. They want to make sure that they're not needing anything. I wasn't brought up that way. My wife wasn't brought up that way. We didn't bring our children up that way. We brought them up to work for things and then give, be given the reward of hard work. We got a dog last year. Go from children to dogs just like that because she's like a child. We got her from the pound. Actually, we got her for Alex, our oldest grandson, so he could have somebody to bond with. And She stays at our house, and we feed her and pay for it. I don't know how it's her, his dog. I still haven't figured that one out. But anyway, yeah, I lost my train. Huh? Dogs. Yeah, I'm, I'm got, I got the dogs. But what was I going to say about dogs? Oh, give him that. Okay, there you go. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm only 60. We imagine what when I'm going to be 80, what I'm going to be like. Yeah. Barb who? <laughs> Actually, she's more do Barb's dog than mine because she minds Barb a lot better than she does me. But that's another whole subject. Anyway, I was reading on how to train the dog. And they, they stress the fact that if you're getting them to do something, you know, you want them to sit, you want them to stay, you want them to lay down. When you get that reaction from them, you give them that reward. But if you tell them to sit and they're still standing, you don't give them a reward. You tell them to go lay down and they're still at the, at the front door barking, you don't give them that reward because they have not done what you've asked them to do. Same way with our children today. This is a whole other subject, parents. God wants us to be their parents, not their friends. And if we're their friends, we're doing them a disservice. Because whenever they get old enough to be productive members of society, they aren't going to be. All they're going to be is, give me, give me, give me. Because mom and dad have always given me and I don't have to work for anything. That's kind of like at the same time, if somebody is suffering, there should be a time where I need to step back and see what they're going to do, how they're going to handle this situation. That was the whole point in all of this other stuff. <laughs> How are they going to handle the situation? Are they going to flounder like a fish out on the on the, the bank going back and forth? Put me back in the water. Put me back in the water. The water's only this far away. Get in the water yourself. We do a disservice to people whenever we see them suffering and we immediately jump in. One of the best things that we can do for them is go to them and talk to them about what they're suffering and pray with them to begin with. Give it over to God. Don't pretend like I'm the one that's going to help you out because I'm not. I will be an instrument in God's hands to help you out, but I'm not the one that's going to do it. With God's help, you're going to do it. And sometimes we're cold-hearted when we just turn our backs on them, and that in itself is wrong. There's a fine line between the yes and the no. Have I gone past 13 minutes yet? Got a minute. Okay, good. One minute. Job for just a second, okay? Job in the second chapter. This is how we can do a disservice to somebody. We can be like Job's wife and his three friends. 
Job in the second chapter, verse 29, it says, Turn the page, Steve. And so I wrote down the wrong verse. What she says was, I wrote it down so I wouldn't have to remember. What she says was, Why do you hang on to your integrity, Job? Go ahead and walk with God. Curse God and die. That's great, that's great uh, encouragement to give somebody that's suffering, isn't it? Don't worry about what you're going through. Just go ahead and blame it on God and go ahead and have your peace and say you die. And his three friends, Eliphaz told Job that the innocent don't suffer. Evidently, Job, you're guilty of something. Bildad says he accused Job of being wicked. Zophar says, Job, you deserve worse than what you're getting. What a wonderful lot of friends Job had. So to answer the questions that we've been given this morning, yes, we can learn from our suffering. And the best place to get information on how to handle that suffering is right here in these four walls. If you can't find it in these four walls, somebody here is going to be able to help you out and point you in a direction how you can alleviate that suffering, how you can get past it, how you can deal with it. And by all means, whenever we go to help somebody that is suffering, consider ourselves. The Bible tells us to consider ourselves when somebody else falls, lest we sin ourselves. We need to make sure that we have compassion when we go to help somebody that is suffering. Thank you all for your time.